many of you guys love hearing the Word of God? You know what? I, I want you to know, Foundation, what our personality is and what our calling is. And you say, well, isn't every church called to that? I don't know about every church. All I can do is, is, is focus on this one. And I have a hard enough time with that. <laughs> but our church is about discipleship. It's about God's word. I truly believe when you feed on God's word, it strengthens you spiritually and you're able to overcome physically, emotionally, and in every other facet of your life. And so my goal is to give you God's word and not give you a bunch of fluff or whipped cream or, or any kind of other icing, but to give you steak. And so today, get ready to have some steak. Amen. Get ready to feed on God's word. My goal is to have you walk out of here ready for this week, encouraged, revived, refreshed, excited, but also equipped, equipped with something that will help you overcome, that will help you further along in your walk, that will help you advance uh, your, your Christian walk. Last week, we said that the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. And what I want you to know is that you have, the, you have the living God living inside of you. The Bible says that when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells your heart. He seals you for the day of redemption. That means you are forever marked with the spirit of the living God. Now, it is possible to quench that spirit. It is possible to, um, to grieve the spirit, meaning to take control and to not live by the spirit but you also have the ability to live by the Spirit and to be an overcomer. To be an overcomer and to walk in real promise and real authority. To walk in real authority. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I want you to not just listen to a message and say, oh, that was a, a nice message. It's kind of encouraging for a second. And I want you to take it in and start living by it. And so this is what I'm saying. If you're involved in discipleship, if you are actively engaging in the Great Commission and you're feeding on God's word and helping others, I can tell you God is for you and he will show up and give you the authority to take ground for him. You need to start walking in more confidence, meaning you can pray with authority over your marriage. You can dedicate your children to him and begin to call out things for him. You say, well, pastor, what if I'm not in discipleship? Then get there. Get there. Is, he, is that the only thing? No, I don't know. I just know I take the Bible very literally. The Bible says all authority in heaven and on earth are mine. Therefore, go and make disciples. And then he also says, and I will give you power. So if you're doing this, he'll give you power. Power for what? Power so that you can continue accomplishing what he put you on this earth to do. And you can have confidence in that. I think a lot of Christians don't walk in confidence because they've seen God do things over here and over there and down yonder and way back there, but it's time for us to see him here. And I want you to know the Holy Spirit has been giving me a message for this time for foundation, and that message is this. You guys are a disciple-making church. You operate under my authority. Go and walk in it. Have confidence and walk in that authority. Amen? Amen. Amen? Some of you are going, oh, pastor, what does that mean? Put a smile on your face. That means that you have the authority of Almighty God to pray and have your prayers answered, to begin to, to ask him to help you in whatever it is that, that he is calling you to do. We've been talking about direction. Now, direction 
is a course along which someone or something moves. A course along which something or someone moves. Okay, that's a good definition. Very straightforward, isn't it? The second one is the management or guidance of someone or something. So let's combine those. The management or guidance of the course of our life. Amen? So we got to manage and guide the course, the pathway of our life. Do you realize that we manage and guide all the time in the physical, but sometimes in the spiritual, we don't think of it those ways. Let me, let me put it to you this way. How many of you like to, uh, to hike? Any hikers in the room? Raise your hand high if you're, if you're a hiker. Raise your hand high if you're like me, you want to be a hiker. You know what I mean? That, there you go. I, I thought that would help you. See, I love the idea of being outdoorsy. And I go and buy all the gear, Dr. Maynard, and then like, just doesn't quite get there. But I think it's because I'm a, I'm a city guy. I, I, I love the idea of being in a tent, camping. And then I'll give you an example. One time, there's a certain brother, we were having something back here in the woods. We were doing a, a guy's deal. And, uh, and, and this brother had never camped. And I go, dude, I went and bought all the gear at REI. I'm, I'm ready to go. Dude, come and hang out in my tent, man. We'll have a great night. Believe me, I need a sleeping bag. I got you. I need a pill. I got you. I, I need a tent. I got you. Anything you need, I got it. Because I love the idea of being a camper. So we go and, the, and the, remember the, the, the men's thing was, was kind of winding down. Everybody was getting in their tents. Everybody lays down in their tents. It's so quiet. And you start hearing all the bugs. You start hearing the noises at night, and that, that sleeping bag is so hard. And I'm like, dude, I can't sleep. It's like 2 in the morning. Everybody's sound asleep except me. So I get up. I get in my truck. I drive home. <laughs> when the guys got up, they, go, they say, where's Pastor Chris? Oh, man, he's probably somewhere on the property praying. <laughs> Next thing you know, I drive up. They're like, where'd you go, Pastor well, I, had to, I can't tell a lie. I went home. See, that's my idea of camping. You know, you, you get it all ready, and then you go sleep at home and then come back. But, but, you know, some of you go, no, 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 no. Listen, I got lost in the state park. This is important because, do you remember, Evie? You were little bitty, and we got lost in the state park. Now, I wasn't fearful for my life. I knew that if I could just head towards the highway noise, we'd eventually get there. But it was going to be really uncomfortable. Because we might have to go through who knows what to get there. But I say this because a few years, two years ago, we invited my brother to Colorado and he went with us and he was just determined, man, we got to go hiking. Dude, we got to go hiking. You're in good shape. I'm in good shape. I said, I'm in relatively good shape. I don't know <laughs> about good shape, but uh, I'm in shape. You know, uh, round is a shape. Now, <laughs> I'm in a second service. You're going to get me in trouble. Because I got to keep it going here. So he says, let's go hiking. Meanwhile, we're talking to some Colorado guys. And these guys actually know stuff about the outdoors. They're outdoorsy guys. And uh, we were talking about hiking. And he says, man, some of the best hiking you'll ever do right here in this state. This is an awesome place to hike. And my brother goes, I told you we should have gone today. And the guys look like this at, at each other. They went, what does that look tell you? Like, these dudes are nuts. And I go, what was that look? He goes, nothing? I said, no, no, you gave a look to your friend. Man, come on, tell me. He goes, yeah, you can go hiking. 
but it won't be good. He goes, what do you mean it won't be good? He goes, do you know our, our forest? Have you ever been there before? No. Are you going with a guide? No. It snowed today. I'm going, and? My brother's like, and? He goes, you're going to get lost. And my brother goes, well, somebody come find us, right? He goes, yeah, they'll come find you in the spring. <laughs> he says, you're going to die. You Texans have no business going hiking in the winter. It's snowing. You get stuck out there. You're on a mountain. You have no idea where you're at or what you're doing or how to do it. Come on. Can I tell you, some of us know all about the physical preparations, but have, are just as ignorant as I am in the physical about the spiritual. Meaning this, I've had to learn that if I'm going to be an outdoorsman, I'm going to have to get educated. I'm going to have to start learning. I'm going to have to start uh, uh, educating myself, learning, putting hands on, trying to start a fire, not just hearing about it, because that's what a lot of people do. Well, I've heard about it. I've seen it. I've seen other people do it. I've read about it. But have you ever tried it? Because I tried that. And I was there for 20 minutes until I got the diesel to help me. And I'm not kidding you. I finally said, enough. Put some diesel on it. Let's go. But, but this is what I'm trying to tell you. Some of us became Christians. And someone said, hey, you're supposed to walk towards the cross. And so we're like, okay, I'm a Christian now. Let's go. And we're wandering out in the woods because life is hard. How many of you know life is hard and we face a real enemy and there are real setbacks and there are real challenges and there are real things that are taking place out there in the Christian walk that unless you're prepared, you're going to get lost. And you know what I'm I'm convinced of? That many churches don't have enough organization to have search parties. They just come find you in the spring when you're all dried up. Now, I'm I'm being honest. Some of us are laughing and going, what, pastor, you're nuts. No, I'm not nuts. You need to understand there's all kinds of trail markers. Did you know there's trail markers? Yeah, these are trail markers. I didn't know. They're called blazes and and a straight line on a tree. Some of them don't do do carvings on trees anymore. Now they paint them. Some don't do uh, uh, blazes. Some will do uh, cranes. Some trails are marked by ducks, some trails are marked with posts, some, but, but you have different, you have to be well aware. Now these are the different blazes, if you want to take a snapshot of that, it might save your life. Why do you want to blaze? You want to know, are you still on the trail? Do you know the same thing applies in Christianity? Am I still on the trail? Have you ever been out so lonely and so far out in your Christian walk that you start asking, Lord, am I still on the trail? Am I still headed in the right direction? No, stay with me. There's also what's called a duck or a crane. I mentioned that. Now you go, what's a duck or a crane? You say, well, a, a duck, I've learned. See, I'm, I'm getting educated, guys. This boy may not be a country boy, but you know what? I can learn. You take the smallest form of a, of a duck could be three rocks. And the reason you want to use three rocks is because you want to stack them like such, and you take a rock with a natural point and you place it to indicate whatever you want to highlight. Meaning, I'm headed this way, therefore my point will always be in the direction that I'm headed, or I can turn the point towards home. That's where I came from, that's home, that's my car, the point is headed home. Doesn't matter, it depends on what you want. 
But you indicate this so that you can what? Gain confidence. It also reminds you of where you've been, where you're going, and it gives you a sense of confidence to keep going and that you're doing the right thing. Do you know that God uses this in the spiritual too? You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 4. The children have wandered through the desert for 40 years. They are now taking the promised land. And in, chapter, John, I mean, in Joshua chapter 4, the Bible says this. Take 12 stones. This is God telling Joshua to tell the people. Take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan. That means in the middle of the Jordan River, go grab 12 stones. So this is what I need you to do. I need you to get an elder from every tribe. Okay? Get an elder from every tribe and have them pick up a stone to represent their tribe. They're going to build something with these stones. And so this is what he says. He says, Bob, you're going to represent the Wilcox clan tribe. I need you to go and grab a stone in the middle of the Colorado River right now. Keith, you do the same. Pat, you do the same. Philip, you do the same. Go grab a stone from the middle of the Colorado. How many of you would, would go, uh, yeah, you picked the worst time. It's flooding. We'll have to wait till the drought season and maybe I can go fish out a stone. It's got to be from the middle. So, so you say, well, what's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on. God is doing a miracle. God is taking this Jordan River that is flooding and, and creating a huge barrier between them and what he has promised them. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody here today, and God is saying, what you see in the physical, I'm about to show you what I can do in the spiritual will translate into the physical, and this is what I'm going to do. What I, listen, what my word promises, my hand always fulfills. That is scripture. You need, to, you, need, you need to make a note of that. King David said, God will never promise something his hand won't fulfill. So he promised them the promised land. And now what's standing between them and the promised land is the Jordan River. And so God says, Shoo. and it splits. Now do you see why he wants them to get a stone? Why does he want them to get a stone? Because he wants them to make a pillar of faith. This is what the Bible says. Listen to this. Then you shall, you shall tell your children that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and that God split the Jordan so that we could walk on dry land. And when we were in the middle of that Jordan River that was raging during the flood season, God shut it up and I got this stone from the middle, this stone right here son. Therefore, you can know that your God is real. And I'm telling you, see, so many times we take off on our Christian walk and we think that our children are supposed to start where we started. Can I tell you that's not right? Our children are supposed to take over where we left off. Why do I want my, God, my son to hit the same potholes, to go through the same struggles, to have the same trials? No, I want him to go to higher heights, bigger glories. I want him to understand. And so this mile marker helps him understand. Listen, it helps you by knowing where you've come from. It helps you by knowing where you're going. And it helps you remember that God is faithful. Can I tell you something? Everyone here has experienced the faithfulness of the hand of God, but the enemy tries to have us forget. 
Anyone ever forgotten and said, well, Lord, what have you done for me lately? And God's saying, well, I can't really do anything because you went and forgot where you were and you're lost now. And you're walking in circles in the state park, Chris. You should have brought a compass. You say, well, a compass? What, what's a compass? Come on, everybody knows what the compass is. This is a compass and I'm learning how to use it. I really am. I, I never, th this was not something I, like, anyone in the military know how to use a compass? Anyone in the Boy Scouts know how to use a compass? Anyone was taught by their parents how to use a compass? See, I was in any of those and, and I never learned. But you know what my dad did teach me? He, he taught me how to use this compass. And now I'm teaching you, maybe not the physical, but the spiritual. And so when I teach you in the spiritual how to use the compass, you say, well, well, I thought the compass was the Holy Spirit. Yes. And it's this, and this is how they work together. The Bible says, these are Jesus' words. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal the truth about me to you. Okay? So the Holy Spirit will not take of his own. He will only reveal what Jesus Christ to you. Okay? He won't lead you off and stray. He won't go do his own thing. He only takes from God's word and reveals it to you. So the word needs to be read, needs to be your compass, and the Holy Spirit shows you how to go. Does that make sense? Some of us are saying, but pastor, what if I don't, what if I don't read enough? What if I don't have enough of God's word? Then the Holy Spirit has very little to work with. You say, oh, is that why the Holy Spirit is revealing more to others? Yes, because they're in God's word. And the more you get into God's word and the more you give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to reveal, he will. And you might say, but pastor, every time I read his word, I don't understand it. You will understand it if you stay at it. If you stay at it, the Holy Spirit will give you more and more and more and more revelation and you'll get better and better and better at it. But it's something you have to cultivate. Come on. Someone told me, Pastor, don't give up. You can do this. You can learn how to be an outdoorsman even if you were raised in the city. Absolutely I can. But I have to what? I have to work at it. I have to learn. So you say, okay, Pastor, well, what are you trying to tell me? I'm trying to tell you that those stones are still there today. Look at the picture. I visited that place when I was in Israel. It's called Gilgal. It's out in the desert hills, foothills of, uh, of Jericho. And those 12 stones are there today. Isn't that amazing? That your pillars of faith will last from generation to generation if you would just mark them and build them and remind your children of them. And it will go for the third, fourth, fifth, down through the generations. You say, but okay, pastor, then... then, then I'm ready. Let's do this. I need you to understand you have a formidable foe and his desire is to distract you. He wants to keep you from reaching your destination and he will do anything he can to distract. So number one, I want to, I want to highlight for you is distraction. Distraction. Listen to what the Bible says about, about staying focused. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Isn't that good advice that the, the sage is saying here? He says, keep your eyes headed forward. Do you know that there's, we get distracted by our eyes. 
And that's why the Bible says over and over, be careful about what you're looking at. Be careful of the lust of the eyes because that's the way the enemy's going to tempt you. He's going to tempt you through your senses is what he's saying. Because where you focused, you can be sure that's what's got your attention and that's the direction you're headed in. You're kind of like a horse. I've been told that a horse can look in different directions and you can tell by where he's looking by his ears. Okay? But this is the thing. If you point his head in that direction, guess what? You know how a human's head is pointed? A human's head is pointed by their eyes. Whatever their eyes are looking at, it's like that horse. Wherever that nose is pointed, that's where he's going to be headed. Wherever your eyes are pointed, that's where you're going to be headed. And that's the thing. If your eyes are pointed to the cross, then guess what? You're headed towards the cross. If your eyes are pointed on materialism, you're headed towards materialism. If your eyes are pointed towards your past, then you're going to be living in your past. Uh Uh-oh. What has your attention? If your eyes are focused on worry, then guess what? You have to be careful about this because there's, there's power in this. And God is trying to show us here, you have to understand. Keep your mindset right. Listen to the Lord here. He says in the book of Colossians, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on earth. So keep your focus right. And the enemy is going to try to distract you at every opportunity. You know, a good example in God's word is Mary and Martha. Jesus, listen to this. I'm going to put the verse behind you and I'm going to tell you the story. Jesus is headed towards their hometown. And Jesus had friends. Especially because he would travel and he got to know different people. And different people began to to be friends of his. And so he wanted to go hang out with Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha had a brother. Who was their brother? Lazarus was their brother. And so how many of you, come on, stay, live this with me for a second. How many of you would love to have hosted Jesus in your home? See, very few raise their hand because you, you have a lot of Marthas. And Marthas would be like, the king of glory? Like God himself? The one who walks on water, raised the dead? The, 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 the savior of the world's going to be in my house? Oh my goodness. I Dios mio. I don't know what to do. What would I do? What would I feed him? My house is a mess. I don't know. And he'd start worrying so much that you'd pass the blessing on to somebody else. Come on. How many of you and Martha's would say, no, no, no. I'd rather, Lord, don't come to my house. Go to somebody else's house. That, that was Martha. She was so worried that she missed the occasion of a lifetime. This is the thing. I mean, I mean what would you ask him? So the Bible says that she's hurrying about, trying to prepare everything, trying to fix everything, trying to tidy up, trying to cook, trying to whatever she's doing. Come on, how many of you know when you have guests, you can find a million things to do? And she's trying to work all those things out, and guess what her baby sister's doing? She's just sitting at the feet of Jesus going, Lord, tell me more. Oh my God, what would you ask Jesus? Renee, if you had an opportunity to have Jesus, the king of all glory, there's no one greater in your house. You would be one of a few in all of human history that has had him there. But yet, what if you were running around and and you missed it because you're so busy? It's like Mary's like, Martha, just stop. She goes, no, you never help me. You always do this. Can you imagine what, what the fight was like between sisters? I have two girls. 
And I have a Mary and I have a Martha. And, and, and Raquel is Martha and Evie is Mary. And Evie is always like, who cares? It doesn't matter. And I can almost imagine, and, and Evie's a smarty pants, so she'd be like, Raquel, chill. <laughs> and I can, just, I can just imagine, but you never helped dad tell her to help me. Jesus is here. And I could see Evie going, Raquel, it's like he could make the food. He fed 5,000, chill. I'd rather have his food than yours. Right? Well, but, but the house is dirty. He comes from heaven. Everything's dirty in this planet. I mean, right? You see what I mean? It's the perspective. Some of us are so distracted by the, by the things of this world that we miss what God is trying to do in our lives. You say, but pastor, God has not come to my home. Oh, he hasn't? He hasn't? Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Where you are, I will be. So Mary and Martha, you want to know another example? Peter. Listen to this. The Lord answered him and said, uh, excuse me. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So what's happening here? What's happening is you have Jesus who has sent the disciples on because he has to stay back and pray. He never got to really mourn his cousin's death of John the Baptist because the, the crowd came up and then he did the feeding the 5,000. All these things started happening. So he really wanted to spend some time by himself. So he sent the disciples on or across the Sea of Galilee. He said, I'll catch up to you later. But, but Lord, you don't have a boat. Just go. I got this. And so here they go, and they're in the boat, and it begins to, the, the beginnings of a storm, and they understood something, that on that sea, a storm can blow through and wipe you out in an instant. So they're already on edge going, man, this storm is bad. We're not making any headway. It's starting to really pick up here. And then they see what looks like a ghost, and they start to freak out, and Jesus says, do not be afraid. Can I tell you that every time Jesus says, don't be afraid, he's about to do something miraculous. So he's warning you. He's saying, now don't freak out, but watch this. And they're like, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come on. How many of you know that answer would not have been good for you? How many of you know you're, you're too used to being in control and being in charge and you want people to explain everything to you and they, you want them to tell you exactly how to do it? You have a hard time just taking directives with one word, do it. Just do it. You, and now that's for Nike, not for me. If you want me to do it, you're going to have to explain to me how. You're going to explain to me when. You're going to have to explain to me. I worked with Eric uh, Stoffisher, and he's real big about I need everything mapped out. It would have been bad for you, Eric, because Jesus would have just said, do it. But Lord, you didn't send me an email. You got to explain it. You got to tell me how. You got to tell me how I'm going to break the law of gravity. I'm going to. And I can only imagine what's going on in the boat. Thomas is going, I doubt that's going to work, Peter. Doubting Thomas. I can imagine the financial guys going, yeah, Peter, we don't have enough liability for this. Enough liability insurance, you need to stay in the boat. Sons of Thunder are going, man, why didn't we ask? We should go out there with him and all this stuff. So Peter just goes and he does it and he's walking on water. I want you to feel this with me. He's walking on water, but what happens? He gets, he gets what? Distracted. How does he get distracted? I want you to think about this for a minute. 
Because when you're on the path of life and things start going for you and God starts showing up and God starts doing an amazing thing in your life, the enemy's going to try everything he can to distract you. And he's going to use a couple of things that you can learn from this story right here. He's going to learn, he's going to use the crowd. That's everybody behind you. That's the 12 going, man, Peter, you're awesome. Man, who do you think you are? Oh, Peter, watch the waves. Oh my gosh, you're going to sink. You're going to die. I mean, what are they saying in the boat? I don't know what they're saying, but I guarantee you, if he started listening to that, he would become distracted in an instant, begin to fall. I mean, just imagine, they're sitting there freaking out, going, no, you, Nikki, you're never going to make it. Oh my gosh, Peter, who do you think you are? Or maybe, man, Peter, you're awesome. Yeah, I am pretty awesome. And here he is. He gets caught up in doubt. How do we know it's doubt? Because the Lord says, why did you doubt, Peter? See, because this is the thing, guys. If the enemy can distract you and have you chasing your tail or have you fall on your face or have you sink in the water or have you down in the pit or have you uh, uh, end up at a, at a roadblock or an obstacle, then he can begin to frustrate you. Why? Because when you get distracted, you lose sight of God, you lose sight of his voice or, or and you start struggling in your own power, and then comes frustration, and then discouragement. Then discouragement, because he has a goal here, and he's moving you, but first he has to get your eyes off the prize. And if he can get your eyes off the prize, then he distracts you, he frustrates you, then he discourages you. That's number two, discouragement. But he doesn't want to just discourage you, he wants to dissuade you. That's number three. We're going quick towards the end here. He wants to dissuade you. What do you mean dissuade? Well, let's read the definition of the word dissuade. Listen to this, Josh. He says, persuade someone not to take a particular course of action. This is what the enemy's saying. I don't want him heading north. I don't have to distract him a whole lot I just have to have him not hit the cross. Well, pastor, it's just, a, it's just one degree. It's just two degrees. It's just three degrees. Yeah, but as you get further on in your life, that separation gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he can work more and more and more distraction, more discouragement, because ultimately he wants to persuade you not to take that course of action. Which is what? Which is to live for God. Which is to say, Lord, I know that I am your masterpiece. I know you have a plan for me. I know you have something special for me to accomplish. Come on, I want you guys to get excited. To say, Lord, I know that you have something for me to accomplish. You know what? The other day, my wife said to me, she said, it's actually just this past Friday. I wake up, and she had woken up before me, and I wake up, and I'm like, and she goes, babe. I open my eyes. She goes, why are you smiling? I said, because I'm talking to God. And I promised that every day I would say, Lord, this is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for giving me life to live for you. I don't know what you have for me, but I know it's going to be something good because you're a good God. And I don't know exactly what my life is supposed to entail, but I know this, that you've given me an assignment and I want to make it. I want to reach it. If it's one salvation, if it's to encourage some families, it's to bring marriages back together, if it's to raise 
raise good children, love a good wife, and be a man of integrity, then I'm excited to live that life for you, God. I'm excited to do it, Lord. And I'm not going to let the enemy distract me. I'm going to start off right, and I'm going to go to bed right, and somewhere in between, if I mess up, I'm going to let you straighten it up, Lord, because you're a good God. And you're not, the enemy is not going to dissuade me. Because if he can dissuade you, he can ultimately destroy you. And that's exactly what Peter understood. Listen to what Peter says. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking someone that he may devour. Now notice what he said. Seeking someone he may devour. Someone who's left the path of God. Someone who's out on their own. Someone who's doesn't have the skills, someone who has lost their compass, someone who is, that he may devour them. And you go, why would Peter say that? I'll tell you why Peter would say that. Because he understood how tough the trail of life could be. There's a verse, there's a passage in Luke 22, verse 31. Where Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Simon, Simon, I find this extremely powerful because it's like the Lord is trying to highlight something for him. By this time, he has already been renamed Peter. Why does he use the word Simon to him? Why does he use his old name? Maybe he's trying to do that, that that your mother used to do when she'd use your whole name. You know, you know you you were in trouble or she wanted to highlight something for you. Robert Chris Pena. Oh, what'd I do? He's saying, Simon, Simon, the enemy has asked to sift some of you. Now, what does he say? All of you, all of you. I don't don't believe he's just talking about the disciples, all of you. No, he's saying all of you. The enemy wants you. See, but this is the thing. When you walk with the Lord and you begin to understand who he is and what he's done, and you begin to see how he's done things, and you begin to to, to experience his goodness, at first, you're not going to know him. You're not going to believe him, even if he came and told you all that he had planned for you. Even if he said, I know you've been born a slave, I know you've always been a slave to sin, and I know that's all you've ever known is Egypt. All you've ever known is Egypt, and they're the ones that feed you, and that's the whole system that you know. But we're about to break the matrix here, guys. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rescue you. And I'm going to rescue you in supernatural fashion. You will see 10 plagues sweep across this land. And they will lead you out. You will have all of their gold and all of their silver when they let you go. And then they're going to come after you. And I'm going to split the Red Sea and kill them. But you will pass on dry land. And then after that, I'm going to feed you with food from heaven. And I'm going to warm you with a pillar of fire from heaven. And I'm going to shade you by night. And I will bring water out of the rock in the desert. And I will make a lake of living water right there before you so that you can have as much as you want. And I would, you would look at him and go, there's no way in the world. But God says, that's exactly what I want to do for you. 
And every time I do it, you're going to build a stone and you're going to commemorate and you're going to remember. You're going to remember. You're going to remember because I'm not a guy that God that lies. And I want to build greater and greater things in your life and greater and greater faith. I want you to believe me for greater things. And he was about to show Peter something awesome. But he also had to understand this, that look, I work all things for the good of those who love me, all things. And when we start walking in faith, then we can walk in that kind of confidence. Listen to me, listen to me very, very closely. We're about to finish. I know there's some things going on in your life right now that don't seem to match up with greatness. But look at what God says here. Peter, the enemy, wants to mess with you. And he wants to take all of you, but I'm not going to let him. I'm only going to let him do so much. And remember that I work all things for the good of those who love me. And when you pass through this, you will be stronger in your faith. Some of you are passing through a trial right now that God has allowed Maybe because of your disobedience or because God is trying to make you better. I don't know, but I do know this. If you let God have control, it will be for your blessing. I promise you that. It will be for your good. You will see your faith begin to grow and you will see his power at work. And at the end, you can make a pillar, a monument commemorating that God is faithful and you can continue on your path to greater things, to greater things. If you just keep the faith and not allow him to destroy what God is building. Destroy is the last one. This is where we finish. For the thief comes to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it everlasting. But I have come that you might have life and have it everlasting. This is where we finish. God wants to build something in your life not destroy. He wants to take you on a journey of a lifetime. But you got to trust him. I got a little video that I want to show you. And this will help me wrap up today's message. Dr. Emoto has conducted another interesting experiment. He placed rice into three glass beakers and covered it with water. And then every day for a month, he said, thank you to one beaker. You're an idiot to the second. And the third one, he completely ignored. After one month, the rice that had been thanked began to ferment, giving off a strong, pleasant aroma. The rice in the second beaker turned black. And the rice that was ignored began to rot. Dr. Emoto thinks that this experiment provides an important lesson, especially with regard to how we treat children. We should take care of them, give them attention, and converse with them. Indifference does the greatest harm. Uh, tell some uh, dreamy story, but almost. But Small little video. 
indicating the power of words. I mean, I want you to think about this. There was another guy on, on YouTube, and there's several of these guys on YouTube that have tried this own experiment in their own way. And one guy was speaking positive to this, to this rice. And at the end of this long time frame, the rice looked like the day he put it in there. On these other beakers, the rice was all just horrible looking. And, and, and I'm listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, well, that's something the Word's already told us. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. That you can speak life or you can speak death. So, so let me ask you this. If our words are powerful enough to affect rice, how much more powerful are God's words? Can I... God says he loves you. God says he has a plan for you. God says you are his child. God says you are more than a conqueror. That no weapon formed against you can prosper. That greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. That he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. That nothing can separate you from his love. That what he has called, he shall fulfill. God tells you so many wonderful, beautiful things. But we allow the enemy to distract us. We allowed him to what? Discourage us. We allow him to dissuade us because ultimately he wants to destroy your faith and your purpose and a sense of gratification, joy, and peace to know I am the Lord. He saved me at a high price. He sent his son for me and he wants to talk with me. He wants to walk with me. He wants me to live this life with confidence and to pray for things that he has put on my heart and believe they shall be done. Why? Because I'm not just walking in circles in the woods somewhere. I'm on the way to heaven. And someday I'm gonna, I'm gonna step from this life into the next. And by golly, I don't want my son to start at the, at the beginning. I want him to start where I left off. So I'm building some little pile of rocks saying this is what God has done in the Pena household. This is how awesome God is at foundation. And this is why we worship him and praise him and love him because the devil was on me and tried to kill me and God yanked him off of me. He set my feet upon a rock. He gave me something to sing about. Come on, foundation, come on. I'm speaking to the people in this room where the enemy has tried to destroy their dream tried to destroy their confidence, tried to destroy their marriage, tried to destroy their faith, tried to destroy their health, tried to destroy their purpose. He's been after you and working on you, just chiseling away at you all these years. And by golly, it's time to say no more. I believe the word of God. If simple words from a Japanese scientist can affect rice, how much more can your words affect me, Lord? It's time to get your words in me and all over me. In Jesus' name, set the direction of my life, Lord. Set the direction of my life. If you need prayer, and I've been preaching, and this is hitting your heart, and you want me to pray for you, and you just want to pray, say, Lord, I want to receive this. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right here, right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see every hand, you see every heart, and you see every home. And by the power of the awesome Holy Spirit,
I pray that you would seal this word up in their heart. I pray that you would sing over them and pray over them and, 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 and just speak over them life, Lord. Life. That they would believe you for more. That they would understand how awesome this gift is that you've given. And that they would grow in the confidence of their faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, Foundation. Have a great, great week.